What is going on, everybody? You are listening to 90.7 WGCC. You are also listening to the Anchor Podcast app. Today is Thursday, August 8th, 2019, and you listen to the J-Red Show. Hello, everyone. I am J-Red, broadcasting from the third floor of Genesis Community College right here at Batavia, New York. Some updates on my show. Um... Today I'm going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and their preseason de- debut against the Indianapolis Colts. On Monday, I'm possibly going to bring Ranting Ron onto my show. I'll be doing that, try to do that around 2. And uh, on a Wednesday morning, I am going to invite a singer onto my show for an interview. So I'll be, doing, I'll be coming here a little bit more often. Um, the singer I am, the singer I am interview, the singer I am interviewing is, uh, Alyssa Trahan. She'll be, she, she did a song at, she did a, she was at Batavia Downs last Friday doing, uh, part of the Batavia concert schedule, so I'll be inviting Alyssa Trahan onto my show on Wednesday. I'll be inviting Ranting Ron, um, on my show on Monday around two, my list, interview with Lisa Tranley at 7:30 on Wednesday, and but today I am going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and the preseason debut. If you request me on Twitter at JRed Show, and come up next is uh, do hospital rest time. See you all 9.7 the music time. See you Where else would you rather be than next to your radio, next to your smartphone, or wherever, listening to The J-Red Show on 90.7 The Music FM? The Buffalo Bills will kick off their preseason against the Indianapolis Colts. Cody just asked me why I haven't been to training camp this year. Um, There's a couple reasons for that. I've been very busy as of late. Um, I mostly work the overnight shifts, and training camp takes a place an hour drive from where I live in Rochester, about a half an hour from right here in Batavia. But another reason is I can't stand going to training camp at St. John Fisher. Um, when I go to St. John Fisher, I have to get on a bus, and just it's just a big mess. It, it just, it'd be a lot easier if the training camp was at New Era Field and where I could just park in the parking lot, go in the stadium, watch them practice. They were at training camp um, last Friday, but I couldn't make it because I was at the Batavia Downs concert series. I saw Alyssa Trahan there. Um, I'll be conducting an interview with her. Um, she was singing. She was warming up for Tanya Tucker. At um, so, I'll be putting my interview with Alyssa Trahan on Wednesday at 9:30. I got an interview with Ranting Ron on Monday at two. And I couldn't make it to my Monday sh- show because of um, some drama, but I'm here right now, and I'm gonna talk about the Bills and the Colts. Um, Indianapolis is my Super Bowl prediction. I do like Andrew Luck. 
I like what the system that Frank Wright has. I think they're going to be the favorites to win the AFC East. Of course, you got those dreaded Patriots that are also in consideration. Um, I, New England, I think they're going to take a step backwards because Tom, because um, they lost Gronkowski. Tom Brady turns 42 years old. Even though he won the Super Bowl, they did regress. But it will not surprise me to see New England back in the Super Bowl again. It's Tom Brady. It's Bill Belichick. It's the greatest of all time. It would not surprise me. But I think Indianapolis is a favorite. Chiefs are also in the conversation. The Chargers in the conversation for the AFC. For the NFC, I really like the Eagles. I like the Packers because I think Rodgers has a great defense this year. The Rams should be. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Rams back. But on to the Buffalo Bills. Some positions I'm looking forward to. The biggest one I am looking forward to is Josh Allen. I've heard both good and bad from Josh Allen at the training camp. Even though I haven't been there, I've heard both good and bad. He's, he's, he looks great in times. He's getting the ball out. But I've been hearing that problem. I've been, it's the problem I've heard from Allen ever since he was drafted. The accuracy. I've been hearing from podcasts that he's having some accuracy issues. I mean, part of it could be contributed to a bad offensive line. But but um, accuracy has been my but accuracy has been my, my my main concern with Josh Allen. It is way too early to to, to predict what kind of quarterback Josh Allen's going to be. Well, it's not too early to predict, but it's too early to say to say definitively what kind of quarterback Josh Allen's going to be. Is he going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback? Is he going to lead the Buffalo Bills to multiple Super Bowls? Is he, the, is he a bust? Is he like J.P. Lofman? Is he like E.J. Manuel? Will he be so bad that he gets cut from the team and ends up in someone's practice squad? Or is he somewhere in the middle? Um, is he a Cam Newton? Is he an Andy Dalton? I think he's a Cam Newton. I, my prediction right now is that he's going to be like Cam Newton. He, he just, he's just been so... I've heard nothing but good and... I've heard good and bad things from him, and I think that's what we're going to get from him. One, this, this could be totally wrong, folks, but I think one year, we will be 15-1. and Allen will be voted league MVP, and we will be, the Bills will be in the Super Bowl. The next, they will be 6-10. and 10. That's pretty much Cam Newton, and that's what I'm predicting from Josh Allen. <coughs> Running backs, another big question mark. Are the Bills done with LaShawn McCoy? I, th- I, I think the Bills should definitely move on. From, I, don't, I haven't looked, I haven't seen his training camp, so I, have, I can't really tell what, how good McCoy's been. But I think McCoy should definitely, I think the Bills should move on from McCoy. This is a quarterback-driven league. Yes, McCoy was our the Bills' MVP two years ago. He, in my opinion, is the biggest reason why they no longer have the longest active playoff drought in the big four sports. But he did regress last year. Okay, most of his regression was due to a terrible O-line. So with, with a better O-line, there might be a little bit of hope that he can recapture some of that, some of that magic. However, unless we get 2017 McCoy back, 
I just don't see any reason to keep him. Because I don't think he's the game changer as he was this year. And this season relies on the quarterback. This season relies on Josh Allen. So, I, I got, they got seven Singletary, got, got lots of young running backs. I expect the Bills to move on at running back. Wide receiver is another position which we look forward to. Five wideouts are virtual locks for the final roster. Brown, Beasley, Jones, Foster, and Roberts. Assuming the Bills keep six white runouts on their roster, that leaves only one position left for a mix of players. That includes Ray McLeod, Phillips, Williams, and McKenzie, as well as Sills and Easley. McLeod, a impressive Fisher, but whoever manages to stand out against the Colts in a live game situation will receive a significant boost compared to their peers. Newcomers John Feliciano, Spencer Long were locked into a battle at right guard during camp before both suffered injuries. And now that they're both healthy, the second round of the competition can become, can become earnest. This is the right guard position. Feliciano is listed as starter on the team's unofficial death chart, with Long as a backup center. A position, a position of performance tonight, though we may see the Bills officially declaring Feliciano the winner. Cornerback, cornerbacks are in a position. With early reports coming out of camp, listed as corners, Kevin Johnson is a clear st- standout. It was thought that he would push Levi Wallace for starting snaps. That never seemed to pass during the team stay in Rochester, so Johnson will need to take, make himself hurt against the Colts. And the next one is tight end. With Tyler Croft, da- Dawson Knox, and Jason Crew all nursing injuries, Tommy Sweet and Nate Becker have stacked good practices together, by all accounts. Assuming all three aforementioned players are left out of the Colts game, that gives Sweeney and Becker a monstrous opportunity to persuade the coaches that they deserve to make not only the team, but to see the field during the regular season. We're at the top of the hour, so i got to play a legal ID, and then when I, I'll talk about more of the Bills when I come back. If you have any thoughts, if you have a quest, hit me up on Twitter at JRedShow, and this, you're listening to the JRedShow on WGCC 9.7, the Music FM. So much your thoughts on the Buffalo Bills. Um, we have Ford and Nishiki on the right side with Morris, Long, and Feliciano rehabbing the past week. Even eligible tonight, this puts Russell Bodine as the number one center. How long will he be there? Who's backing him up? Follow that thought. I'm interested in Ford and Nishiki working together, either with ones or with the second team. Positional battles will be interesting for sure, but this is also the first look at our rookie class, such as Ed Oliver and Cody Ford. All the question marks are on offense, quarterback, running back, offensive line, receivers, because it was a mess last year. Before Allen came, before the Jets game in November, they were well on their way to being one of the worst offenses in NFL history. Josh, then they looked good at the Jets game, beating them 42 to 10. But when Josh Allen came back from his injury, they looked competent. So that's why I'm encouraged from Josh Allen. I am encouraged that he's at the very least a franchise quarterback. But I've heard Sneaky Joe talk about this. Sneaky Joe from WGR 550 has said that he would rather have a player like J.P. Lothman 
like E.J. Manuel, a quarterback that is so bad, he would rather have Josh Allen throw up all themselves, get cut, and then start over again. He would rather have that over someone like Andy Dalton or Blake Bortles, a quarterback who is just competent enough to make the playoffs with, with the right team. And if you build everything right, you can get to a, a deep playoff run with you can make a deep playoff run with the right roster. Do you, do you think that's the case? Would you rather see Allen throw up all of himself and have that? I'm not saying I, – it's too early to tell on Allen, but I don't think he's lost it. I don't think he's manual. I think we have a legit franchise quarterback. I'm saying he's Cam Newton. But if, if he was in that middle ground, would you rather have – would you rather have a – would you – how would you feel if he was a Dalton or a Bortles? That would like him something cap jail. I've heard friends talk about go after a quarterback every single year until we have a the guy. So, I mean, that's why I'm afraid if he's a Bortles or a Dalton. I don't want him in that middle ground because we, 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 we won't know. I mean, if he stinks, then we can definitely move on. But I don't want to be wasting quarterback, draft picks a quarterback. I think now that, the, that Allen has a better roster around him, he should, he should look better. But I think that's his preseason game. Why receiver snaps? I am curious to see how these break down. I figure guys like Brown and Beasley will be in as long as Allen is in. Once they switch to Barkley, I'll be interested to see who they are in the top two or three wide receivers with him at second string. Same goes for Tyree Jackson. That's another thing we're looking forward to. UB prospect Tyree Jackson. How good is he going to be? Is he going to make this roster? I think he'll, um, I think he'll be behind Matt Barkley. I can see him maybe as a third stringer, but it would not surprise me if he got cut. So, what are your thoughts on the Buffalo Bills? How they've looked in training camp? The Bills' offense has a lot of question marks, but the defense is good. Should be great. They were one good thing I've one. One thing, other thing I've heard is Ed Oliver. This is a very good defense. Ed Al, um, Sean McDermott has a great is a great defensive mind. Um, Ed, and Ed Oliver, is, from what I'm understanding, he's given Allen a lot of trouble. So that should be a good sign that, that the defense has looked this good. But can Josh Allen overcome it? Can they overcome all the other defenses? We will see tonight as the Bills take on the Colts. What are your thoughts? Hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. If you have a request for songs, hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. And uh, if we will kick things off, um, come up next was a band that was at uh, Darien Lake on Sunday. It was Breaking Benjamin with Angels Fall. If you have a request, hit me on Twitter at jredshow. As always, keep up to that point seven, the music FM. <coughs> You're listening to ninety point seven WGCC. For those listening on the radio side, um, 
song you just heard the songs you just heard was Angels Fall by Breaking Benjamin, um, I Hate Everything About You by Three Days Grace, Angel by Fear of a Dead Man, I'll Be Seeing Them Appetate Down Tomorrow, Bombshell by Power Man 5000, and just recently Peaches by Presidents of the United States. You listen to the J Red Show on 9.7 WGCC and on the Anchor Podcast app. Um, breaking news in English soccer, um, Ch- David Luiz has just transferred from Chelsea to Crosstown rival Arsenal. Arsenal's really loaded up. They had, I think they had the best offseason of the Premier League teams. I don't know if they'll make the top four yet, but they are heading in the right direction as a franchise. It's been a while since Arsenal's been relevant in the, in the Premier League, but I think they'll bounce back pretty well. But back to American football. What quarterbacks are under the most pressure in um, 2019? In both the NFL and in college football. Starting with the NFL, um, I think Winston, um, most pressure, I think Jameis Winston of Tampa Bay has a lot of pressure on him. Um, it's the fifth and final year of his rookie contract. He's been very inconsistent. Um, Bruce Arias was hard to play quarterback whisper and fix Winston's inconsistent game. But if the results don't improve and turnovers decline, everyone in Tampa Bay will be screaming for a change. A lot of these quarterbacks fall into this middle category that I've that a lot of uh, that Sneaky Joe and I are fearing that Josh Allen falls into. Just average and just if you build a right enough roster, you can win with these quarterbacks. I think the philosophy in football is the better your quarterback is, the less important it is to fill out the rest of your roster. If you have a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, a Joe Montana, unless you really screw up the rest of your roster, you're all set. On the other hand, I think you can win with these less than stellar quarterbacks, but you just need everything to be perfect. Like Derek Carr. After an offseason in which his demise as a Raider will want to be greatly exaggerated, Carr faces the fierce of urgency now. John Gruden and Mike Mayak have staunchly supported Carr and didn't draft his replacement this year. Gruden is notorious for wanting an eye, for his wandering eye when it comes to um, quarterbacks in his roster, so he shouldn't be so secure. So I wouldn't say that Carr has a guarantee of the job. Marcus Mariota, another quarterback. Tennessee's just kind of middling there. Um, um, he's been good, but far from great. It hasn't held that Mariota's working with his third head coach. Dalton. I think Cincinnati, I think Dalton's in trouble. Cincinnati is going to be terrible. I think Cincinnati is going to be terrible this year. So there's a lot of pressure on Dalton. Now here, Joe Flacco. He's another one like Bortles, another one like Dalton. Just that average quarterback that's just getting by. But Flacco did win the Super Bowl. Um, but that was a couple of years ago when... The NFL still, when NFL teams still relied on a great defense to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Elway did draft up Flacco's predecessor and Drew Locke. A fast start would be advised because the Broncos haven't shown much patience as a quarterback. Another Super Bowl winning quarterback, Eli Manning. Um, Daniel Jones is waiting in the wings. Manning has played well enough to win, um, enough to keep the rookie off the field. I don't have high expectations for Manning. So those are the uh, fact. Um, Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles is in Jacksonville. Is a lot of pressure. He's 
he saved the Eagles' season the last two years in Philadelphia, but he's not expected to be the savior in Jacksonville. Foles is leading the team that built with the with the to win with the defense in a running game, but there's also pressure to win the, the season with Marone and Coughlin. Matt, the pressure is on Matthew Stafford, um, um, in Detroit. He still has not won a playoff game with the Lions. His 2018 wasn't up to his usual standards, and how much more mediocrity in 2019 will undoubtedly bring renewed questions about how the Lions will replace him. Stafford needs a bounce-back year. Dak Prescott, another example of a quarterback who's just kind of middling it. The Cowboys want to extend Prescott and may wind up getting it done before he even starts the fourth season. But at the moment, he's still eligible for an unrestricted free agency in 2019. Prescott isn't the kind of limbo as the Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett, who is guaranteed to work, to work in the walk this year. So those are the middle-of-the-road quarterbacks that have been kind, have been not, not bad, but not very good. Well, we've got one more, Kirk Cousins. In year one, the Cousins experiment in Minnesota was started with grand expectations. He didn't bomb, but he didn't evaluate the Vikings to a team that made the NFC title game. So these are the quarterbacks with the, pre, with the mo, those are the middle of the road quarterbacks with the pressure. Now the young and up and coming quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield. The thrill of chase is always fun, but not everyone can handle being chased. That's the new backdrop in Cleveland, where the Browns are the NFL's hottest thing going, from, and the possible players to win the AFC North. Frankly, I, I'm reading this on Patriots.com, but I think all four rook quarterbacks from that 2018 class has a lot of pressure. Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Sam Darnold. So, there was also a lot of pressure for Lamar, and Lamar Jackson. As a breathtaking starting to be in the second half, Jackson, there's a whole new offense for Jackson to run under Greg Roman. And there's no safety in the form of Joe Flacco in him either. Following up with a rookie season of success can be challenging, and expectations remain high in Baltimore. Those are the quarterbacks. So those are the quarterbacks with the most. With, so these are the quarterbacks with the most pressure. Even and now on to the elite quarterbacks, the Super Bowl contending and winning quarterbacks. Even they have a lot of pressure, like Carson Wentz. It's a different kind of pressure for Wentz and the rest of these quarterbacks. With his last two seasons cut short in December by injury, a subpar quarterback playing in Nick Foles. Wentz must prove that he can stay healthy. I think if he's healthy, the Eagles are Super Bowl contenders. Aaron Rodgers, he has an elite defense. With a new, as a new head coach, Rodgers knows how much a fresh start in Packer land could mean to his legacy. He seemed particularly to check out of Mike McCarthy's regime in recent years. So it's time to remind everyone of the greatness of the young offensive Matt LaFleur, now in charge of Gene Green Bay. Packers fans might be a li- Packers fans are a little frustrated and irritated right now. They have had nearly 30 years of elite Hall of Fame quarterback play in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, but they only have only won two Super Bowls from him. Just like the Cleveland Cavaliers, they had the gr- they had the one of, if not the greatest basketball player of all time in LeBron James. But they only have one championship from him. Um, this, this, is, this is why uh, when people argue LeBron versus Jordan, I don't want to hear six, that Jordan's 6-0 versus LeBron's 3-6. and six. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of circumstances that involve those championships. But back to football. I mean, at least they have championships. Unlike here in Buffalo, we all we, the Bills wasted Jim Kelly and Dominic Hasek. But still, it must be frustrating. It's frustrating to have. I've, I've heard Packer fans and Cavaliers fans talk about how frustrating it is to have so few championships when you have the elite best of the game. Big Ben Roethlisberger has a lot of pressure. He has a new rich deal, so it's not about the pressure to protect his job in Pittsburgh. But with no Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell anymore, it all encompasses is the kind of Roethlisberger's sh- shoulders to make the deal as great again. Um, it's been nine years since the Steelers won the Super Bowl, and it's get away from the Tomlin and Roethlisberger era. So those are the pr- so who has the most pressure in the NFL? Hit me on Twitter at, co- at JRight Show. Who has the most pressure in college football too? Troy Tagovailoa of Alabama. Um, he, he has a lot of pressure after that blowout loss in the national championship game. He had an incredible season of studying the Georgia Bulldog. Uh, he had a incredible season with the studying the Georgia Bulldogs the year before. Uh, he, had two, he had a great 2018 campaign, but now Alabama's in a position rarely seen near the Nick Saban era, looking for revenge. On a bitter redemption campaign, Terrell will be tasked with leading the Crimson Tide to another championship game. And I think they'll get there. In the NFL, I'm sick of the Patriots. In college football, I'm sick of the Crimson Tide and Clemson. But I think they'll be back there again. Locally, Tommy DeVito, he has a lot of pressure. Syracuse ended an abysmal stretch of football with a 10-3 season. So I, Syracuse football is on the rise. I think they, it's a, they are a bowl-eligible team. They should be a bowl-eligible team. And it wouldn't surprise, I, it's a lot, my bold prediction is that I think they can qualify for uh, a New Year's Six Bowl. Maybe not quite CFP yet, but I think they can go for a New Year's Six Bowl. Dudgy has settled the program and is now his former backup in Tommy DeVito, who has to carry the offense. Expectations are the highest they've been in nearly two decades. They were number 22 in the program. As a registered sophomore, DeVito will be either a big man on the campus or the who brought in the school back from mediocrity. The bright future and the best roster in years, this season will either set the school back or boost them in their perceptions of the NCAA. It's all on Tommy DeVito. Trevor Lawrence and Clemson has a lot of expectations. Trevor Lawrence was a huge prospect in the Clemson football system that the program could not wait to put on the field, essentially ending the Kelly Bryant era for the school. Lawrence immediately flashed back to his potential, eventually leading the team to another national championship. Now the sophomore will be searching for back-to-back championships in a much weaker ACC conference. Expecting the same type of production from a season ago, NFL scouts will be looking for a similar arm talent, accuracy, and pocket presence. Why is there pressure if he had such a successful season? Well, everybody will be gunning to figure out how to beat him. When someone bursts on the college football scene, the defensive coordinators immediately try to figure out how to slow down that even stop the defense, or even stop that offensive threat. threat. It will not be an easy task for Lawrence as the most impressive playoff performance this fans has ever seen. There's always pressure on a quarterback who, be dominated, who dominated the league for one year. Compared to the NFL, Patrick Holmes will be such at the same amount of pressure. It is highly possible that Lawrence controls through the ACC and takes Clemson to the playoffs once again. I think Clemson will be number one and um, Syracuse will be number two in the ACC. Justin Fields of Ohio State, who was just transferred from Georgia. From Georgia. Uh, we'll see if um, Brian Day can, and with new coach Ryan Day and Fields, uh, we'll see if um, Fields could keep up the momentum in the in the post Urban Meyer era. How good? How much will Ryan Day get out of him? Fields played sparingly behind starter Jay Fromm, 
but the former number two recruit behind Lawrence has a chance to thrive in Day's quarterback-friendly offense. Ohio State's offense is a perfect fit for the dual threat at Fields. The pressure comes in if Fields begins the season spurring out of the gates. If he begins to struggle, ridicule from Georgia fans will enter his mind. Another factor is the young quarterback will be able to perform in big games. Fields is set for an abundance of media attention at school, but he struggles early. Those who criticize him moves around state will be heard. Justin Herbert from Oregon. There is little doubt that Herbert would be just the, fed, the first quarterback taken off the board to the 19. He was the most NFL ready out of making another quarterback. Instead of making, number, making a ton of money in the draft, Herbert opted to spend one more season at Oregon with hopes of making the pro season early. The decision came as shocking to scouts as they, they saw a risk of one more college season. Fans never want to see this happen, but if Herbert ends up suffering a major injury, he will miss out on millions of dollars at the next level. He may, ne- he may never even give an opportunity to play at the next level. This decision was an extremely risky one, as Herbert will not only stay healthy, but have the production, some produce simple production this season. For the first time in a couple of years, the Ducks are expected to have a possible playoff type year as the Pac-12 is wide open. If Herbert can lead his team to the playoffs, he has solidified an impressive college football resume. Even though he decided to stay in school, Herbert can perfect some skills and does need to work as a mature leader. Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. He had one of the strangest quarterback careers I can remember. All handled with extreme class. Hurts led Alabama to the national championship game in 2016 and then another one in 2017. Come up short in 2016 and last game play, then be a bench for two lights take over the miserable half. In 2018, Hurts saw his job loss for the younger and better Tavola. Instead of transferring before the 2018 season, Hurts opted to stay to support the younger quarterback while waiting for the chance still at Alabama. When the door closed on a, on a chance to start following 2018, Hurts opted to take over Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma has had a ton of success recently, all because of our standing quarterback. The last two number one overall picks were for the Sooners, were Kyle Murray and Baker Mayfield. The two quarterbacks carried Oklahoma to the postseason berth in back-to-back years. The Christian Tide quarterback has the opportunity to get back into the championship game uniform while improving in the draft stock. Hurts has not only has only lived up to the recent success that the team has had, but he has also continued the offensive success in the recent quarterback system that Lincoln has. Will the games translate slightly below the system? Hurts better adapt trips quickly before time runs out. Joe Burrow of LSU. LSU is a program who has recently produced some incredible offensive skill prospects in Leonard Fournette, Darius Gurris, and Jarris Landry, and Odell Beckham Jr. But these prospects have not brought them a championship. This is a large part because of poor quarterback play. As previously mentioned, LSU has been a team that has had the strongest quarterback class throughout the program. Joe Burrow has showcased the potential last season, but to make the championship run, he's going to have to take his game to the next level. The LSU Tigers have not defeated Alabama since 2011, a major obstacle in the team's way of making the playoff. With the Tigers' faithful, grown, and patient, the continued loss to Alabama, a quarterback needs to step in and lead the team past the Crimson Tide. Burrow has a lot of pressure on his back to take the team to the next level of competition. LSU has an offensive talent, but is in serious need of someone who can put it together. If Burrow fails, many coaches could lose their jobs. A competitive head coach at Oregon, he is dying to win the big game as the Tigers coach. With his chances around low, Burrow had to live up to the hype in 2019. Jake Frum from Georgia. As earlier touchdown, Justin Fields with the Bulldogs because of Frum had solidified himself as a starting quarterback for, the, for Coach Kirby Smart. Fields was expected to slide in after the upcoming year, but with his transfer, this seems like an all-or-nothing year for Fromm. Fromm, who has another quarterback set his sights on the NFL, 
will be responsible for the team's success for this season. Now all the pressures pile on as the last Jake Fromm flee the season of was also be of, of being. If Fromm does not produce a championship at Ohio State, the team led by Justin Fields does. You can bet there will be a ton of criticism for him. Even if Fromm comes from struggling, there will be whispers of what if factors turn into the fields. The junior quarterback has also been thinking about his long-term quarterback in the NFL. He has some impressive performances in big games, but he has to win the biggest of them all. He has the opportunity, but or not, there will be some doubt in Athens, Georgia. Shea Harrison in Michigan. Big, the Big Ten's version of the Elsa's Two Tigers, the Michigan Wolverines struggled to get the big game under their head coach to win the big game under Jim Harbaugh. Either disappointed losses or continued struggles against the team's biggest rival at Ohio State. Urban Meyer in Michigan had not been able to fully break through. When the team announced that Shea Peterson would be joining the squad after an impressive stint in Ole Miss, Michigan fans rejoiced after they finally had the quarterback they could rely on. Harrison is athletic, has a great arm, and can manage the game as good as any quarterback does. The team went into the last year feeling like the team them turning on turn out of the foot. The team went into last year feeling like the tide may have been turning, but unfortunately did not. Facing 10-3 and losing the Peach Bowl, it was another disappointing result for Wolverine fans. Shea Harrison now enters his final year with a lot of pressure mounted over his legacy. With backup quarterback Dylan McCaffrey expected to, to get some runs this year, Harrison has to be sharp or he'll lose his job very quickly. Harbaugh has already hinted at possibly rotating the Big Ten media day. Harrison not only has been taken to Michigan to the playoffs for the first time, but he has to do it with a young quarterback breathing down his neck. It'll be difficult with the most competitive coach in the college football, also critiquing near every throw. And number one is Sam Alger in Texas. Texas football has not had a done consistent winning before. They did. They went for ten and four. Won the Sugar Bowl in Georgia. MVP San Diego announced that Texas football is back. To share that message to a fan base who is desperate for a constant top twenty-five team takes a lot of guts. And now Alger has to produce. Alger has the best quarterback the school's had in a while, and he played like it was down the stretch last year. Texas football has announced that bringing back and ready to compete at all times, but also can nothing back to the dynasty like it was in the mid two thousands. Agner has created a sense of opti- uh, has created a sense of optimism within the Longhorns again, a sort of confidence they've been searching for. But with that confidence must be results. If it gets out to a slow start, it will not be a pretty sight for the junior quarterback. He has to prove last season was not a fluke, which will bring more recruits for Tom Herman to build off. Texas quarterback may be a player with the most control of his team's decisions and flip. But but which is why he's number one. Another brilliant run like last season proves that Texas is back. But dud, it means that Elgar is back to square one. There was plenty of excitement for the announcement they have to win against Georgia. But Erner has just made himself interested player in, most interested player in college football. So who's on the most pressure? Hit me on Twitter at JRed Show. My personal opinion, I think in the my the, I think Tommy DeVito and Baker Mayfield are under the most pressure. Because these are quarterbacks who are um, taking these are the quarterbacks of teams who have been irrelevant for 20 years. The Browns had the longest playoff drought in the NFL. Syracuse football has not been relevant in 20 years. So Tommy DeVito and Baker Mayfield are in positions to turn these franchises around. Um, I think Josh Allen's a lot of pressure because the Bills have been irrelevant. So is Big, so is Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. I think Rosen's a lot under a lot of pressure because Rosen lost a starting job to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, so I think he, he's looking more he's looking more and more like a bust. It's too early to say, but I think Rosen could be a bust. Fitzpatrick's had such a weird career. He will give you a a, a month a three or four week stretch, a month long stretch, where he is the greatest quarterback of all time. Like he in 2011, he outguns Brady and leads the Bills to a three and zero start. Tampa Bay when he broke the record, the 2018 with Tampa Bay. He broke the record for most winnings for most 400 yard games in a row. He will have bursts of greatness, but then he's absolutely terrible the rest of it. So, what are your thoughts on the NFL? What quarterbacks are under the most pressure? Hit me up on Twitter at JRed Show. Um, anyhow, um, if you have a, when we come back, we'll talk about baseball. And um, but first, we got college announcements. If you have a question, on Twitter at JRed Show. And here is some college announcements on ninety point seven, the Music FM. And we are back on 90.7, the Music FM, and the Anchor Podcast app. Um, time to talk. Um, the song you just heard was Alice Merton with No Roots and The 1975 with, um, with, um, it's not living, and then after that, you heard uh, a 1908 edition of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" and um, <coughs> Frank Sinatra, "New York, New York," and talk about talk about baseball. Talk about and one of the most lopsiding hitting versus bat, hitting versus pitching matchups in baseball history. The New York Yankees have set a home run record. For home runs against a single team, they have blasted 49 home runs against the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> this breaks the previous record of 48 in 1956, and then 46 two sorry, and then two, 1956 held by the Yankees against the Kansas City A's, and before that, two, two years ago, 2017, Yankees versus Orioles. So, really is a contribution to how good the Yankees' batting is and how bad the Orioles' pitching is. I mean, it, it's definitely a home runs league. We are seeing a lot more home runs in the late recently. And a lot of franchises like the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Baltimore Orioles are suffering because of it. It's a... Uh, their owners being cheap, it's just bad management. A lot of people are going to complain about the Yankees buying a championship, but this Yankee team is mostly built from within. Even so, the Yankees, the Yankees batting is top-notch. 
Now, um, but their pitching has a lot, of, has a lot, has a lot of work to do. See, um, I've had arguments with um, people online. I'm like, why should Cashman be fired? He, this Yankee team is loaded. They're going to be contenders for years to come. It's going to be hard to imagine the Yankees not winning the World Series with Judge, with Stanton. But the pitching is not good. It is bad. And if the Yankees don't win the World Series this year, the 2010s will be the first decade since the 1980s and the second decade since the 1910s they failed to win the World Series. It'll be, if they don't reach the World Series, they don't win the AL this year, it'll be the first, the 2010s, will be the first decade since the 1910s the Yankees did not reach the World Series. So there's a lot of pressure. Can this batting overcome the pit, the lackluster pitching? Um, as we look at the Didi Gregorius, his, he's got a lot more important for the Yankees. At the beginning of this year, when Didi was on the injury list, Glaber Torres came to his his own Glaber Torres came to his own as offensive star. This elevated from the bottom of the order and thrust into a regular spot on the third, fourth, and fifth hitter. Torres evolved to a bona fide power threat in the thin Yankees lineup. Now the tables have turned. Gregorius is back to full health and hitting reasonably well. But now his double parlay partner Torres is day to day. DJ LeMay, who will continue to play all over the diamond, and Oshello will remain on the start and third baseman. But, um, but, before, but both guys are performing admirably as is. Not much more before could we realistically be expected from these two guys. Gregorius, however, is a player that the Yankees will need to see a larger role in the offense. Didi won't be able to sneak up on pitchers as the fifth or sixth batter anymore. He'll be batting the third or fourth as a central component to the team's offensive attack. He'll also have to do it with a little support behind him in the order. Maven, Gardner, and Tuckman have been awesome this year, but they're not exactly who you had penciled in as a 5-6-7 hitters. Think about Gregorius' performance so far this season. After a predictably slow start following the Tommy John surgery, Gregorius has mostly settled back into his career norms. Almost all of these bad profile in 2019 is the same as it as it's been the last two or three years. From his spray percentages to his distribution of ground balls, fly balls, and line drives, it's encouraging that Gregorius is back on track after such a serious injury. The most interesting thing with Gregorius' offense is his at-play discipline and how he's adapted to the changing state of baseball in 2019. Although Gregorius has never been known as a patient hitter, he has shown signs of improvement in his batter's eyes in 2018, posting the highest walk rate and on-base percentage. Gregorius, however, has had a hard time staying patient this year. He's swinging at the first pitch 40.4% of the time, which is 5% more than his career norm. Of course, developing good plate discipline is more than just taking a few pitches. You have to swing at the right pitches. Gregorius improved at this, his chase rate from 37.8 in 2017 to 32.7 in 2018, but it's gone back up to 38.5. In kind, his walk rate and on-base percentage have dropped. These good, too good of a hitter have a 2.98 on-base percentage. A hitter with his batted ball skills and power, combined with a more patient approach, would be almost unstoppable. He showed signs of working on his plate discipline last year, and has continued to refine that approach this year. It would go a long, would go a long way to help in the shorthand lineup. It'll also 
approach of him for him only to swing at good pitches given the general lack of thump behind the in the order. Although Gregorius isn't as patient in the box this season as well as he was last year, he has made a different adjustment this season that may help him continue to grow as a power hitter. His exit velocity and launch angle have climbed, which makes him a perfect candidate to improve it for improvement with today's emphasis on hitting the ball hard and the potential presence of juice baseballs. That approach to hitting is also the best way to beat the shift. Tactic defenses are using more quickly on Gorgorius in 2019. As of right now, Torres is not going to have an injury list, but his status is definitely worth monitoring. Regardless of how the Yankees play without him, they'll need Gregorius to continue to improve. He's already shown that paying attention to the trends around the hitting in baseball, and a little extra to play discipline could help him take the next step. So, Gregorius is, um, so Gregorius is going to, um, like the Yankees got, we'll see if the Yankees can overcome the bat, the bad pitching. I've defended Cashman, but if they don't win the World Series this year, he's going to come on a lot of pressure. Oh, here's some interesting news. The Yankees and the White Sox are going to play on the Field of Dreams. It was a movie, it was a, um, it was a movie back in the, in the 1980s, um, with Kevin Costner, um, where he hears a voice, if they build it, they'll come. I haven't seen it yet, but I am looking forward to watching this game. So, this was definitely one of the um, experiments baseball's doing. I, I do like the overseas experiment. I like that they brought the game to London, and they are promoting the game to our friends overseas, just like how hockey, baseball, and like hockey, basketball, and American football that promote it. Um... So if the season ends today, who would be your award winners? Um, I think the AL MVP would be Mike Trout. NL MVP would be Bellinger. Cy Young will be, um... Yeah, I think Mike Trout was going to be the, um... AL MVP. I think he is on his... He is one of the best... Base, he is one of the, um... His hitting has been red hot. He's been the one bright side on a not very good Angels team. NL MVP, I think, will be uh, Cody Bellinger. Um, I think Charlie Morton's will be the AL Cy Young. Um, NL Cy Young will be Max Scherzer. AL Rookie of the Year is, I think, will be um, Brandon Lowe and. Um, NL MVP will be uh, Fernando Tatis. World Series prediction, I got Dodgers over Astros. You might be able to talk me in the Yankees going to the World Series, but I really question that pitching. But there are some, the Dodgers, I think the NL is there to lose. I think they're clearly favorites, but there are some teams coming up. The Braves are, are very good. But look at the Mets. They got a lot of criticism for the trade with um for, for the Stroman trade. It's like it, the Mets were criticized for buying at the trade deadline. Well, here they are, two games out of the NL Central, uh, two games out of a playoff spot. 
it's just amazing how they've turned things around. They're 9-1 the last 10 games, 17 the last 22. The Mets have really hit their stride. They are no... I mean, we'll see if they can keep it up, but as of right now, they are no longer the laughing stock of Major League, of Major League Baseball. And of, of, they, they are proving a lot of people wrong. It's like, why are you buying? You should be selling. Well, here they are, two games out of a playoff spot. So we'll see if they can keep it up, but... Although the Astros have... Uh, questionable pitching as well. I mean, Aaron Sanchez has the worst ERA in baseball, but has no hitter against, but he had a no hitter against, but he led to a no hitter in his Astros debut. Um, Houston is a team aware of his championship window and continue to make moves to enhance their chances. Um, in the, Nothing is guaranteed, but the odds seem to be stacked in their favor now. So I, I am predicting an Angel, uh, Astros versus Dodgers World Series. They added Zach Granke. You see, the Astros made moves to win the World, Se World Series. The Yankees did not. They Cashman stood pat. So Cashman's understandably getting a lot of heat from Yankee fans, but... Like I said, I think they have the best batting in the history of the game. So, what are your thoughts on that? Hit me on Twitter at jredshow. I'm going to quickly talk about NASCAR before I go. Um, if you have any thoughts on football, baseball, hit me on Twitter at jredshow. Um, actually, before I do that, I talk about college football quarterbacks under the most pressure. Um... But we have also some pressure amongst um, Dominic Johnson, Kyle Aventris, and Matt Myers right here with UB. So, especially Johnson. I think Johnson's going to be a starting quarterback. Um, they got to replace Tyree Jackson. And they have a lot of... Um, and... Um, UB football and UB basketballs had great seasons this year, last year. But now they got to keep it up. They want to take the next step and establish themselves as a major Buffalo team. So who has the most pressure in college NFL football? Hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. Um, some um, thoughts on NASCAR. I really like what I see from Chase Elliott. Whenever an emphasis is placed on a driver's skill, such as places like in Martinville, road courses, Bristol, Dover, Chase is right there at the front. It tells you about um, what you need to know about him as a talent. Um, he does well at places that emphasize skill over arrow. He has wins now. He's got a better way to the trolls. Um, Truex is already doing the heck out of him. It's plenty of opportunities to move if he could. Elliott would gap the heck out of him with when higher speeds were involved. Elliott was carrying speed through those places that Trost couldn't hit, in my opinion. I'll give him his dues. He seems like a legit hard-nosed racer, who I think has all of what it takes to earn some big marks if he ends up racing for a long time in NASCAR. I'm happy for the sport. We'd love to see him earn a championship. Um, I was happy after Napa. Out of Chase's four wins, they were the only one car choice. 
a flawless performance all the way from, from the 19. They came into the track ready to go and executed every step of the way. It's amazing how good you can do when you don't find a way to shoot yourself in the foot. Now, they carry this performance over some of the big ovals. They have something, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, Elliot was carrying speed through tricks and places that Truex couldn't do it. And this is what I love about the sport. I had Martin in a race view. It was clear that the only place Chase was vulnerable was the turn one entry in order to get him. Martin had to find something extraordinary out of the seven. He tried, but he couldn't do it. Chase could launch one of his, one of his and he, once he is, was in his S's, he could control the lap. Martin was very good in the technical stuff, but Chase was faster than the high-speed stuff. Watkins grabbed a high-speed track, and that was that. Chase should be good at Charlotte, given what he did yesterday. Fabulous stuff. So, um, NASCAR standings right now. Um, Kyle Busch leads the way with 851 points. Logano has 838. Harvick 777. Hamlin 771, and Truex 753. And that will wrap up my show for today. It's a little rainy outside, some thunderstorms in the area, so be careful. I'm going to talk about the Bills game later tonight and get some other thoughts. You can see me at Batavia Downs tomorrow. I'll be asked, I work at the TA in Pembroke. So what are your thoughts on sports? Hit me up on Twitter at Show. Oh, one thing about um, about ESPN The Ocho was on last night. ESPN or the old show was based on dodgeball. They have some unique sports like Slippery Stairs, Dodgeball. I watched a little bit of it. It's quite interesting. It was quite interesting to watch. Um, I also saw a movie about detect called Detective Pikachu about the Pokemon franchise. Um, and they portray the Pokemon as a sport. So my question for you is if Pokemon was real and it was an actual sport, would you be a fan of it? Hit me on Twitter at JRed Show. Anyhow, that will wrap up my show for today. Come next is Van Halen, Happy Trails. Keep up the conversation on my Twitter account at 9.7 The Music FM. Have a great day, everyone.